You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Hurricane Irma is pressing down on the Caribbean right now and due to make landfall with Florida, perhaps, by this weekend. There are already images of flattened islands and devastated neighborhoods. These pictures follow closely behind stories and images of parts of Texas that were flooded after Hurricane Harvey. It's hard to know, so removed from the impact, how we are supposed to help. Do we jump in a car and head down there? Do we send money? And if we do, where do we send it? One congressman from Michigan says it's important to get involved even when you feel far away from these kinds of disasters. And that is Congressman Dan Kildee, a Democrat from Flint. He joins us now to talk about disaster relief and other things going on in Washington. Congressman, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, thanks, Stephen. It's good to be back on. It's good to hear your voice. Uh, So I, I, I had a guest earlier who I mentioned that I can't think of any time in recent history when the nation was challenged by two separate disasters of this size at the same time, uh, two hurricanes making landfall within a week, uh, perhaps, of each other. It's it's potentially overwhelming. First, I want to have you talk about how Congress responds to these things and if it's going to have to be different because you're talking about a much wider area of devastation. But then I want to follow up on the things that you're saying about how it's important for those of us who are not in Congress to get involved with these things. Yeah, I mean, I think first of all, it's the the frustration that I think a lot of people feel uh, is that there's this tendency on the part of members of Congress. and, And I, you know, I typically don't like to draw partisan distinctions, but it's just really unfortunate that I have to do it in this case. When it comes to these disasters, in each of the experiences that I've had, this is how it's unfolded. Every single Democrat steps up and says, let's act now. I will vote yes. Mm -hmm. And within the Republican conference, uh, very often there's some equivocation. Now, in this particular case, with Texas being hit, uh, at least for the first wave of relief, that was not the case. Um, You know, it it, it was... uh, We'll see how, how much of a change that is. But with, with Hurricane uh, Sandy or Superstorm Sandy, for example, it was only really uh, the handful of thoughtful Republicans and all the Republicans that were hit that stepped up. Everyone else came up with some technical excuse to vote against it. When it came to relief for the people of Flint, every single Democrat voted yes. The Michigan Republicans uh, led the way for me, thank God for them, mm-hmm. uh, and brought along a, a less than a majority of Republicans to step up. This is, this is no way to deal with disaster. When Americans are hurting, we should put everything else down, roll up our sleeves, and get the job done fast and put the politics at the door. And unfortunately, we don't see that happen very often. Yeah. Uh, talk about the, um, the, the, the questions that Justin Amash, who's a uh, congressperson from the west side of the state who voted against uh, the, the aid bill for people affected by Hurricane Harvey, talk about how he uh, is questioning the, the way we pay for these things. I think that's sort of an interesting way to, 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 you know, to impeach these things, to say, well, it's a good idea to help people out when they are 
uh, in trouble. But shouldn't we shouldn't we think about how we pay for those things? Yeah, if if we were to look for somebody to teach um, theoretical government economics, uh, that perspective would be very helpful. Yeah. If we're looking for somebody to help uh, a family who just lost their house, uh, who maybe have lost family members due to the storm, whose community is completely decimated, uh, it's really not the time for a classroom conversation on the theory of government economics. It's time to just roll up your sleeves and get the work done. Now, I think you know, Justin's point might have some validity in, in the sense that I disagree with him on a lot of his positions, but it may make sense that, you know, government needs to think more carefully about its budget priorities. But there's no question that when a storm hits, that's not the time to have some big debate about whether or not the priorities of the federal budget are completely aligned with the priorities of the American people. You just act. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, he benefits, and I, I consider Justin a friend, don't get me wrong, but he benefits from the knowledge that very few people believe the way he does. Um, because if the majority of the Congress did so, what would be happening in Texas right now? Yeah, right. Uh, it would be uh, a humanitarian crisis beyond anything we can comprehend. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Congressman Dan Kildee, a Democrat from Flint. We are talking about hurricane relief in Congress, disaster relief uh, for Hurricane Harvey, something that we may need soon for Hurricane Irma as it threatens to make landfall on the east coast of Florida. We're also going to talk about DACA. We'll talk about the Democrats' deal with Trump over the debt limit, and we will catch up on Flint line replacement. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone. So that's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Tell us what you think about hurricane relief, disaster relief in Congress. Uh, tell us what you think about the, the threat to end DACA. Uh, the idea that people who are the children of people who came here illegally ought to pay for those sins. We spent a lot of time on the show yesterday talking about that. Uh, Congressman, let's let's have you uh, talk some about DACA and what's going to to happen. I would imagine that if you are a dreamer who lives in the city of Flint, for example, this is yet another way that government action or government inaction might have a really devastating effect uh, on your life. Yeah, and again, this is another one of those examples where I think far too many uh, people, and particularly um, you know, public officials, uh, have the, uh, I guess they would consider it the advantage of not having to think about the human dimension of all of this. It's all about theory. Um, these are real human beings. 800,000 people who were brought here, uh, most of them as very small children, um, whose entire life experience is the United States of America. They are culturally American. They are as American as anyone else, absent a piece of paper. And the idea that we would seriously consider policy that would say that these young people who 
to a great extent and almost entirely contribute greatly to the American economy and the American experience. They're not just good for them, it's good for us. That we would send them to a place that they really have never been to, absent maybe a few months or a couple of years after their birth, a place with which they are completely unfamiliar, unfamiliar where they may not know anyone, and when where their lives could actually be put in danger, the idea that that is somehow consistent with what this country is all about um, is, is beyond comprehension. Now, I do agree with one thing that the president said, and it's almost word for word what President Obama said when he instituted the DACA program in the first place. Mm-hmm. Congress needs to act. When President Obama put this in place, he exercised his uh, law enforcement discretion, the prosecutorial priorities that he determined um, he would apply, said that these should not be the people we go after if we're thinking about how to deal with uh, the issue of immigration or illegal or undocumented immigration in this country, that these people should not be the priority. And in fact, we should let them come out of the shadows until Congress does its job and deals with the reality of these 800,000 individuals. Now, Trump said it in a different way, but, you know, I have to give credit where credit is due. The president is right. This president is right. Congress needs to act. I am a co-sponsor of uh, of one of the pieces of legislation that would would provide for this. Uh, It had been for quite a number of time, the DREAM Act. Uh, There are four pieces of legislation pending in the House right now that would address this. Uh, I have my preferences on them, but there's nothing right now, there's no firewall that would prevent Speaker Paul Ryan from putting on the floor of the House of Representatives every one of those bills and allow the House to make a decision and send it over to the Senate or vice versa. There's only one thing preventing him from from doing that, that some of his members are absolutely petrified of going home in explaining that they did anything about immigration other than build a wall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Uh, Robert in Detroit, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, um, uh-huh. Congressman Kildee. I, I just wanted to talk to you about um, whether or not you were aware that now the uh, the water problem at uh, the Wordsworth Air Force Base has um, contaminated the municipal water. Um, it's not just the wells. And um, I'm, I'm just curious, you know, what, what do the members of Congress drink? We don't know what to drink anymore. Wow. Uh, Robert, thanks very much for the call and the question. Uh, Congressman, I'll give you a chance to respond. Yeah, well, two things. One, uh, it's kind of interesting that he would ask what members of Congress drink, because back in my hometown, the water is, uh, you know, negatively affected. Mm-hmm. And right here in the office building that I'm sitting in right now, you cannot drink the water because it's, a, it's affected by lead. This is a pervasive problem. Uh-huh. The issue that the gentleman raises about Wurtsmith is a very serious question. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and in fact, I've been pushing the Air Force and the Department of Defense in general to be much more forthright about what's going on. For, for those who are not familiar, the, um, the Air Force has used for decades a chemical fire retardant in firefighting and in all the exercises that they use to be prepared for uh, firefighting. That chemical 
um, which is it's a perflor- perfluorinated chemicals. It's a it's a really bad stuff. It's it's negative elements are measured in the parts per trillion. That has contaminated uh, the water in and around Oscoda Air Force Base. Um, we I was able to get an amendment uh, in the Defense Act to require the Department of Defense to uh, act more aggressively on this, but it, we have a long, long way to go. There are potentially 700 sites around the country where this chemical has impacted uh, drinking water, for one, but also just exposure to individuals who either lived near uh, or on one of these bases or served at one of these bases. Um, it, it points to the fact that whether it's lead in the water in Flint or PFCs at Wurtsmith or in you know bases around the country, we take drinking water for granted. We do, and we shouldn't. Yeah. It is not water. Is not water. Is not water. What we have done to our environment and what we have done to water in this uh, country uh, is put it in a position where it's at risk. And we have to be much more thoughtful and we have to be much more aggressive and willing to acknowledge when there's real problems. So far, when it comes to the PFC problem in Oscoda, it just gets bigger every time we look at it. And we need to get the Defense Department to take it seriously and begin to clean up the mess that it created. Yeah. Uh, we've got about a minute left, uh, Congressman. I want to get you to talk briefly about uh, Flint pipe replacement, where we are with that. 2,000 pipes replaced, but the state warned Flint last month that the program is at risk after the city council failed to approve a contract extension with the coordinator. What is going on there? Well, you know, I think there, the, the, part of the problem is that the state of Michigan continues to deal with the, I, what we would call the you broke it, you bought it syndrome. Right. They have completely wrecked the uh, municipal government in Michigan, just like they are uh, responsible for wrecking the public school system. And then they want to hold these communities to you know a very high standard. Now, I don't agree with every decision that the city of Flint has made, but the one thing that bothers me is that the state government that has essentially broken this city now wants to punish the city because the city lacks capacity to deal with to manage basic, this, yeah, right, yeah. basic fundamental operations. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Congressman Dan Kildee, as always, thanks for joining us on All right. today. We'll talk thanks, to you Steven. soon. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.